This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24 7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC Mexico City. Our main event is Yair Rodriguez taking on Lil Heathen, Jeremy Stevens. I was going to say there's a title on the line for some reason. I just feel like we're doing a title fight with all these weird cards. But instead, we get another really weird card. Like, this is, there is a fight on here between literally the two worst fighters in their division, hands down. Like, I, I can't think of two worse, a, a single fighter worse than either of them in their division. And we'll get there. That's the kind of exciting thing we have to, to look forward to in this breakdown. But I will say, on these type of cards, I've seen a lot of the sharp players say, don't play heavy, bump down volume. And part of that is true if you're not confident. But on these type of cards, I think we get a little bit of an, of an edge. There's more edge on these cards if you know how to attack DraftKings slate, slates. So I think there's some money to be made this week. I'm playing my normal amount, and I'm looking forward to diving into what is admittedly a bad card from a watching perspective, but I think a good card for DraftKings. So that's what we're going to dig into. I'm your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the co-host, the analyst of the show, the important guys. It is Joe, also known as Sun Tzu, and at Real Chris Olsen up there. Guys, how you doing? I'm doing good. Oh, I was just going to say, I have to go first because I'm, I'm doing a lot better now because Tyler Lee just commented on my look. Uh, I, I got a fresh new haircut, and uh, and now now I'm in a good place. That cheered me up for uh, for what should be. Yeah, look, Chris, I, I'd say that you're groomed to the extent where you could probably get a date now. Oh, man. Well, Je- let's not, let's not you know, get ahead of ourselves. No, I think but, you might uh, again. Um, I am, just so you know, Sean, I think that this is a good cash week. I think there's a fairly obvious cash lineup. I have no idea what to do with GPPs. We need but, to talk after the show. But oddly enough, I'm playing more cash this week than um, I would typically play, and probably less GPPs. And I'm more of a GPP player. My I mean, cash you know, lineup snapped together, like snapped. So really, I mean, we're going to compare notes later. Okay, sounds and, good. And you guys listening, if you guys are paying attention, you'll be able probably to 
pick up what me me and Joe are, p- are putting down. Uh, Chris, yeah, there is an obvious cash lineup. I'd be shocked if like fifty percent of the people don't play it. We'll I'm see. not going to tell anybody what it is, but it's pretty obvious. It, you know, we'll have to talk because my cash lineup involves a punt. I am punting somewhere this week. Ooh. Yeah, it's a punt, but it's an obvious punt. Yeah. Okay. Chris, how are you attacking the slate? I am attacking it by, um, you know, I, I mean, I mean, you got to take risks here. I mean, I know that know that you were right before we went on. Uh, Tyler Lee, I think, said uh, he was playing a hundred percent. Paul Craig. Um, in in the matchup against, well, yeah, but I mean that that's you're gonna have to you know put a stake in the ground somewhere because you're gonna have to differentiate yourself because like Joe said, I mean there's a punt but it's pretty obvious and I feel like I feel like the the nine thousand range plays are all gonna be pretty obvious too so I feel like this is a a slate where you're gonna have to differentiate yourself a little bit and this might be one where you know leaving a, a bunch of money on the table is is the way to go. Yeah, what? Wait, I think the nuts last week left sixteen hundred on the table, right? Is that right for the twenty-five k? I believe so. I believe the winning lineup last week in the twenty-five k left sixteen hundred on the table. Now, it's not a strategy I recommend. I mean, there are instances, not in MMA, but in other sports, where I'll kind of cap it to a thousand. Like I'll set the low so that I only get lineups that are you know within a thousand of fifty. But um, for a slate like this, with with you know, potentially very high variance, you know, I could see that happening again. What I, what I will say is, is there are sports and MMA is definitely one of them where, you know, how much money you, how much money you leave is less important, you know, like sports, like NBA, NFL, you don't want to leave too much money because the higher players correlate to more touches or more time on the floor or wherever, wherever the case may be here. It's just two fighters fighting each other. So to a certain extent, you just kind of pick the winners. I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. Obviously there are sure things um, in the higher price range at times, but you know, if you feel like leaving money on the table is the way to go in a one-on-one sport like this, where one fighter has to beat the other, I say, go for it. We also need to mention that DraftKings has introduced Rambo mode this week in preparation for the new movie. It is basically captain mode for MMA. Just a free contest this week. I don't think you can play any paid contests with it, but you should, if you like the idea, like the idea of you know having one fighter score one and a half times their points, some different salaries, different constructions. I think it'll break up the amount of ties we have in MMA. If you like the format, you should go and play a free lineup. You know, free... I don't know. I didn't really look at the, the payout structure. To be perfectly honest, I put my lineup in, and that's it. And when we have paid lineups. I'll focus on it more. But if we have the captain's mode. Interesting. Go and take a look at it. If when they release, you know, paid contest for it. If they do, that's when we'll we'll take a little time and do a deeper dive on the strategy. But uh, we've gone a little bit a little bit into the intro this week, so we'll save that for when they release uh, full Rambo mode. But go and check that out. Also, go to check out Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content, no credit card required. Also, like, comment, subscribe this podcast on YouTube. We record live Fridays at 8 o'clock. Guys in chat, welcome back. Thank you. Um, always appreciate the support and the interaction there. Just, I mean, already we've had Tyler Lee, Vince Roadrunner, um, Tom Green's in, in here. Uh, Marco, MC Riddle, just just a few of the guys. Hey, Sean, are you breaking news before we get started? Are you breaking news? Do do you know? Do you have some inside information that DK is actually going to offer this 
this captain's mode uh, for MMA outside of this free contest, or are you are you speculating? I'm speculating. Clearly, they have the ability. This is what I think is going to happen. They have the ability. Clearly, they're running this kind of a teaser with it first. I think the next pay per view card, they're going to roll it out for paid contests. That's what I think is going to happen. If what not, is the next pay per view card? Uh, should be. Is it Boston? Is it no, it's, no, no. It's um, Whitaker Adesanya. It's two forty-three. Yeah. Two okay. Weeks. Okay. So I would suspect we're gonna have that. We're gonna make all these kind of Adesanya-style bender Rambo jokes. That's my guess. Um, so we'll see if that if that comes through. But um, to put a bow on it. Thanks everybody in chat. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Also subscribe on iTunes. Rotowire MMA is the podcast. Let's. Sorry, I'm I'm reading chat and this guy totally threw me off. Let's break down some fights, guys. Let's start off with, God, I'm gonna do this a lot. I'm gonna hesitate before I read these <laughs> fights because there's some awful fights, but it's an awful fight that you have to be heavily exposed to. And it's Claudio Puelas at nine thousand taking on Marcus Mariano at seventy two hundred. Puelas, um, one one in the UFC was getting the upper lifting bleep kicked out of him by. Felipe Silva until he pull, pulled off a knee bar. And he's a big favorite against Anderson Silva's friend, punching bag of Lando Venado last time out, who is six and five as a pro, Marcos Mariano. That's how bad this is. Look, both guys are terrible. Puelas, though, has a little bit of grappling. Mariano doesn't. That's where I see this fight going. Puelas has one of the best inside the distance props on the card. He's the play for me. He should win. Mariano is bad. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, Joe, start us off this week. Well, he actually has the best inside the distance prop on the card, and I believe it's not even close what comes in second. So it pains me that he's going to be very highly owned, um, at least in GPPs, and you get to pay 9.4K for this guy. So yippee ki um, That's just the way this card goes. The guy with the biggest inside the distance prop is the most expensive fighter is he the most expensive fighter? Nine thousand, yeah. Joe. Not 9, oh, he's only nine thousand. I apologize. That's right. I forgot. Um, another another GPP bust is is up there. Uh, you've got you've got uh, Anthony Pettis, and then you've got Eldon, who's the most expensive, right? Um, okay, so you get to pay nine k for a guy that is borderline uh, UFC caliber. Um, I um yeah. Okay, so. I don't see any other way but to say, yeah, okay, I'm oh, going to – I did miss the odds. Puelas is minus 300 and Mariano is plus 270. Well, the good news is he's a um, he's a 23-year-old fighter. He trains um, with the Pitbulls, um, the Pitbull brothers, which is a good, you know, camp um, south of the border. Um, you know, some, some good fighters come out of that camp. Uh, he can improve. Um, I know, although this is a guy that lost to Martin Bravo, um, in, uh, 2016, um, has had one fight nearly two years later in 2018. And now he is coming off another delay of 16 months. So I'm not really sure what the dealio was this guy, what this guy is and why he doesn't fight all that often at 23 years old. Um, if he truly is 23. I guess I'm going to take him. I mean, I'm shocked that this guy, Mariano, got another fight. If you look at this guy, I mean, this is a guy that adheres to that saying, you know, looks like Tarzan, you know, plays like Jane. I mean, this guy does look 
like a, like a, a an MMA fighter. I mean, he's got the he's got the lean athletic physique. He looks like an athlete. Um, but really, he's you know essentially you know Sylvia's you know punching bag, and that he got him a fight on a card that he was on. I don't know how he got a second fight. He's six and five, 32 years old. Um, I guess this is a favor. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go with Claudio here. Um, I don't love paying nine K for this guy, but I'm going to bank on him improving. Um, he's at a good camp. Uh, I'll take him nine, nine K. You're probably going to need exposure to him in GPPs at least because he has the best inside the distance prop on the card. Chris. Yeah, I think Joe is um, in, r- trying to rival me and talking the longest about fights that are that are pretty obvious. Yeah, I guess. But um, but yeah, I, I'm going I'm going with uh, Claudio Pella too. I mean, guy goes for takedowns. He's obviously got a sub game. He's incredibly tough, as uh, Sean alluded to. Uh, Marcus Mariano has got a good hard kick game, but that's literally it. And as we saw in his tape um, coming into the organization. He doesn't can't stop takedowns at all and has um, zero ground game. I mean, uh, fair play to um, Lando Venata. He was a wrestler, I think, maybe in school, but yeah. um, wasn't much of a wrestler here, and definitely isn't anybody's idea of like a great jujitsu guy. And he handled him pretty thoroughly. I mean, if if Mariano if uh, Mariano hits him with like a body kick to the liver and folds him, uh, maybe that can happen. I wouldn't totally rule it out, but yeah. Um, Silva's the pick, although I would say, like, if you're making a bunch of lineups, have a couple of Marianos because Silva's not that good and nobody's going to pick him. So if you, if you are making 100 lineups, throw a couple in, but the play is Silva and he probably gets us done with the submission. I do have a couple shares of Mariano because I Yeah, I think so much, you have to. I have so much Puelas and, and, and Puelas gets hurt all the time. So, like, it's a couple. It's like, I think I'm at, like, Five, I think I have one in my twenty and like seven or eight, seven percent maybe in my max. Out of how many plays are you? How many lives you made? Mini max, one fifty. Okay. So, anyway, let's move on here. Um, Sajar Eubanks, ninety-one hundred, taking on Betch Kohea at seventy-one hundred. Bottom of this fight, if you look at five, if you look at best fight odds, a whole big thing on Twitter about this today. Sajar Eubanks minus one ten. That's not right. Sajar Eubanks minus 275. The comeback on Betch Kohea is plus 210. Look, Betch Kohea is old. She is unathletic, and she is not that good. Sajar Eubanks is more explosive everywhere. Literally, my only concern with her is her gas tank. I think she beats the crap out of Betch. Um, naturally, all there is to it, as long as her gas tank holds up. But give me Sajara in this one, and, you know, she's... Scored 90 points against Roxanne Matafari, 84 points against Murphy. So she has a bit of a floor and a decent ceiling here. And I really, I think she can finish Betch in this matchup. So that's how little I think of Betch Kohea. Chris. Yeah, I, I really, I really think this is Eubanks's fight everywhere. I mean, Betch Kohea had sort of a reputation as a boxer, but I mean, when's the last person you can think of who she outboxed? I really can't think of one. Nobody. Um, Marion Renault outboxed her. Um, I, I, I just, I mean, that, that could be questionable because, in all fairness, the shot that rocked her was a head kick. But I, I mean, I think the point still stands. I mean, she, she, um, you know, she just, she just misses her range a lot. She falls short and punches a lot. And Eubanks has actually gotten much, uh, 
a much better boxer, maybe not so technically, but she throws in combination a lot more now. She um, she uses pressure a lot, and um, the wrestling, I feel like she's going to be the stronger fighter. I feel like she can pretty much take this to the ground whenever she wants. She's going to be the better jiu-jitsu fighter. So I think this is her fight everywhere. Um, I think I think this is this is the, the safer uh, play if you're talking about Silva because I, I think that um, – I, I just think that she's she's a more she has a more proven skill set than somebody like Silva. So I'm pretty heavy on uh, on Sarge here. Joe. Yeah. So, Bet is one four and one in her last five fights. Um, I believe that she actually lost the draw against Marion Renault. So let's call her. You know, let's call her one and five. Um, the one win is against uh, Jessica I, I believe. Um, I don't know. This is a weird fight. I'm not really sure what, you know, why the UFC made this fight. If, if Eubanks wins, it's like, okay, yeah, she, she should have won. And at 34 years old, I mean, I don't know that she has time for these kind of fights. Um, the other part, the other thing to, to look at is Eubanks had a fight of the night against Aspen Ladd. And that was Eubanks first fight at 135. So she granted she had trouble making flyweight. But she was moving up from 125. And as we know about Ladd, you know, she goes into the ring at like 160. Um, so uh, it's it's a flyweight moving up, fighting a bantamweight that should be fighting at featherweight. Um, say that three times fast. Um, so that was a really good fight. She was a plus 200 underdog. I actually thought she had a shot in that fight. Um, it was a fight of the night. Um, I like Eubanks here, too. And I'm going to say something which all of us at one point are going to repeat at some at some at some point during this, these breakdowns is my concern about Eubanks is cardio. Um, she's a pressure you're, fighter. You're the second one to say that. Yeah. She's a pressure fighter. I don't know if she can't finish her early, if she's not going to fade entire later. And my concern is that, um, you know, stealing around here or there, it could end up being closer than it needs to be. But to Chris's point, I think she's better everywhere. Um, she'll get some early takedowns. I like to see her do something with those takedowns and not just ride her out. Um, so I'm on Eubanks here. I'm just concerned. I don't know when she arrived at Mexico city and we'll talk about this later, but there is a large group of fighters who train at Alliance who went out to Mexico city early, um, you know, and, and trained at even higher elevation. Um, so I don't know when she got there. But I definitely, on paper, Eubanks is the better fighter, and I'll pick Eubanks. I think she was there for about a month. <coughs> oh, that's good. I think I think if that's so. the case. Then that's good. All right, moving on. It's the fight I teased earlier: the two worst light heavyweights on the UFC roster. <laughs> Vinicius Marrera, eighty-three hundred. Paul Craig, seventy-nine hundred. Well, they're lined close. Marrera minus 110. Craig is plus 100. And the brutal thing about this fight is it's minus 260 to end it at the distance. You better have one side or the other. I'll take Marrera because both guys want to grapple. And he's a better grappler, I think. I know Marrera has a hard time staying unconscious, staying conscious. But when have you seen Paul Craig knock someone out? So that that's the breakdown of this fight. If you guys can dig deeper into this, go ahead. But that's the dynamic we have to work with. It's which way do you lean play both guys in GPP? Joe, answer the question. Yeah, so this is a, this is going to be a striker's delight. I mean, we've oh, got two high-level strikers here. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in all seriousness, now though, this could actually 
play on standing somewhat. I mean, you've got two guys who are pretty good submission grapplers, not great wrestlers, but good submission grapplers. Um, when has anyone ever said that Paul Craig has the advantage standing? Um, you don't, you don't hear that too often. That is likely the case here. Um, as bad as he is, the other guy is worse. Um, you know, I would say because there's a good chance that this ends in a finish, um, it might be worth having exposure to both sides and Craig certainly at his salary is worth some play. Uh, however, if this does turn in because of either both guys are afraid of each other's, um, you know, ground game, if this turns into a striking affair, it is going to be ugly with a capital U. Um, and I wouldn't want any part of the fight. So figure out which way it's going to play out and then decide which way you want to play it. If you're asking me for a pick, I will pick Craig just because I do think, believe it or not, he has a some advantage standing, however long that fight stays standing. Um, he probably gives up some of that advantage on the ground, but he's great off his back. Um, so I'm going to pick Paul Craig, but it's not a highly confident pick. Um, I, you all got to decide how you're going to play this. Is this a fade fight, or do you think it's going to end in a finish? Chris? Yeah, um, the, I think I'm being swayed to uh, Moreira here, and the reason is because I see everybody picking Craig. And I don't really get, like, everybody being so sure about Craig. I mean, they're basically the same guy. They, they like to do a kick-heavy attack on the, uh, on the feet. They don't move their head, and they're grapplers. Now, what I will say is I, I think Morea is, a, is probably a slightly better wrestler than Craig just because every takedown I've seen Craig try to get relies on him just going to his knees and, and trying to finish. And Morea at least has – I've seen him pull out some uh, actual double legs against the fence. So I'm going to go ahead and say Murray is the better wrestler there. Um, the feet is really close. Um, neither one of them moved their head. I, I would say Murray moves his head less, which is kind of concerning. But again, does Paul Craig even even know how to knock somebody out uh, standing? Like, I, I don't know if that's the case. Like, even if he hurt him, maybe he'd take him to the ground and maybe, uh, you know, the fight would get a little bit more even again. But um, I am going uh, to say uh, Murray is my pick just because I think I think um, I think he'll be the way less owned fighter here, which I, I don't think should be. I think the prices are about even. I think it should be about even, um, but I don't think it's gonna be. And I'm gonna try to take advantage of what I see as maybe a uh, a uh, a a um, blah, 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 a inefficient market, I guess, or a market that I think is weighted too heavily to one side. So I'm gonna take Murray here. All right, and moving on, we have Sergio Pettis at 9,300 and a wicked echo. Someone could fix that. One of you guys went really bad. I'm wearing headphones, so I should be good. Who's echoing? One of you, I was hearing myself. Yeah, I was, hear, I was hearing you as well. So that, that was on you, Chris. Thank God. Come on, come on director. Get you were the only one speaking, so it couldn't have been me. Anyway, moving on. It's like giving Chris stuff. Um, yeah, if, if you could pull up pull up that, that video of the deer eating or the deer getting eaten. Yeah, similar to yeah. Jerry. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie, pull that up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if you could pull up footage of actually please don't please don't pull up footage of Sergio Pettis at ninety three hundred taking on Tyson Nam. You know, you're getting better with the segues, I have to say. I, I, I think I've always been pretty good at them, but but thank you. 
I appreciate that. Uh, Sergio Pettis, this line is off to me. It's minus 335. Tyson Nam is plus 305. Look, Pettis, even if you think he wins, he's crap for DraftKings. Um, he wins by having close striking matches. Tyson Nam, a veteran who's been around a while, I think he's got past to victory here because a close striking battle, I mean, you never know who judges are going to score it. Nam's a competent striker. If anyone's going to grapple, it's going to be Nam. I, I don't think Pettis is that good. I think he can be taken down. I think he fights rounds way too close. I think this is a situation where Nam is going to take advantage of this opportunity. Give me Tyson Nam for the enormous upset in this one. Um, and I have a very small, I bet a half unit on Tyson Nam because that's how little I think of the little Pettis brother. Uh, Chris. Yeah, I actually think um, this is a good uh, stylistic matchup for Pettis because Nam is basically like a, a pressure one one strike uh striker and he tends to strike a little wide and for a guy like Pettis who likes to pinpoint counter I see that as a, a pretty big strength but I do take your point about wrestling I think that Nam is going to be the more powerful guy here he likes to use those body lock takedowns but even then I think that Pettis could probably outscramble him uh, we've seen him get into into scrambling the wrong end of scrambling exchanges in his other fights and Pettis couldn't outscramble Henry Cejudo, but so what? Um, that's Henry Cejudo. So I, I think Pettis has a lot of different advantages here. I get taking the shot on Nam because he's so cheap and because I think he's going to have the strength and then by extension, uh, the wrestling advantage here. I just don't know that if it'll translate once they're on the ground. So that's another um, concern of mine, but I, I do know that, you know, that you're right, that Sergio Pettis is way overpriced. He's he's never finished anybody in the UFC. I think his his top score is in the 70s or maybe maybe low 80s. It's just it's just not a good fight to target on DraftKings. That said, I do think Pettis wins the fight, but definitely have your shares of Nam if the wrestling materializes. Joe, yeah. So this is probably Nam's last hurrah. Um, if you know anything about this guy, he's 35 years old. Um, in 2012, this guy was at the top of the world. He beat a highly touted prospect um, who went on to, uh, I think, hold the featherweight title in Bellator, Eduardo Dantes. Um, and what they did is everybody wanted to, again, I'm stealing some thunder here from, uh, from Cody, um, but he, he was on the top of the world. He had a lot of options, where to go, where to sign. He was a free agent. He goes to uh, World Series of Fighting and gets brutally finished by Marlon Marias. Now, there's no shame in that. Head kick knockout, head kick and punches, round one. I don't know. They don't list the method of victory on the Hawaiian and Oregon regional scenes, but it, it looks like that might be the only time he was ever actually finished in a fight. He went on to lose his next three fights. And to his credit, you know, he went on a good streak. Um, he fought uh, Ali Bagatanov, who's a former UFC fighter, um, had a pretty good streak of six and one. Um, and that gets him into this fight with Pettis, right? So because of that, um, God, I, I thought I was going to be the only one picking him. I'm going to actually go for the upside as well. I mean, okay. I, I think he can finish him, actually. And even if Pettis does win... He's certainly a DraftKings fade um, at 9.4K. So I, I like this guy. I would take a flyer with him, and I'm going to pick the upset. All right, moving on. We have 
Angela Hill, another fighter people love to hate. At 8,500, taking on Ariane Carnalosi at 7,700. Hill's the favorite in this fight, minus 140. Comeback in Carnalosi is plus 130. Look, Hill is what she is. She is a high-volume stand-up striker who has had bad grappling that has slowly improved. Ariane Carnalosi is, I mean, on steroids. Can we, can we just say that? <laughs> like she's gonna pop. Just, just she's going to. But regardless, um, she's gonna look to clinch and grind. Not necessarily get takedowns, but make this a dirty type of fight. I think Hill's just too quick for her. I think everyone likes to hate Hill, and this line is closed probably too much. I think there's some value here on Angela Hill. The question is how much is, is she gonna score? Because she's probably not gonna finish. She's probably not gonna shoot takedowns. How much can she really score? But I like Hill for the win here. She is in play because she's in the mid-range. But give me Angel Hill to um, rack up some strikes and get a win. Joe. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, Ariana Carnalose, um weighed in at 112 for her last fight. 112? Uh, yeah, 112. She's only 5'2". She's only 5'2", which is kind of interesting. Um, her lone loss, 12-1 fighter on the Brazilian regional scene. Still relatively young. I believe she's only 26. Um, By the way, I'm just going to gonna convert that for everybody new. Uh, 12 and 1 on the Brazilian regional is like 3 and 1 and a half is her actual record. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So Hill, although I, I thought Hill was taller, Hill is only 5'3". So there's there's no height, but I think she has a reach advantage. Um, well, maybe not. Uh, I don't see the reach for, uh, for Carnalosi. Sean's point, you know, stole a lot of thunder here, right? So she is um, stacked <laughs> and ripped. Um, now, what does that mean? Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing um, for a fight at elevation, for a fight at 7,000 feet above sea level. It means she um, trained with Bohashina. That's what it means. Yeah. Um, she's a Nova Uniao, which is a good camp. At least that's one of her camps. Um, but Hill is fighting out of Alliance MMA. Hill has did, is one of the fighters that got to Mexico City early. Um, I think Hill can wear her down. Now, I don't know that Hill is a great play for DraftKings. I think she might be a better play, a better wager here with the with the odds tightening. Um, just because I don't I don't see this fight playing out on the ground. At least I don't see Hill engaging in takedowns. Um, she is tough. Look, she went three rounds with with uh, with the champ. Um, you know, in a, in a, in a stand up affair, and and she held her own. Um, so. I have to think that this newcomer is not going to be a major problem for Hill. Now, can Hill put her away? She's not that kind of fighter. I mean, she's a volume fighter. She's going to try to throw strikes. Um, if she could land, you know, 100 significant strikes in three rounds, great. I don't know that, that that's in the cards for her, but I'll take Angela Hill here. <coughs> There's your segue, Chris. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, um, for me at least, it's tough to look at uh... – Hill's opponent here and not think a little bit of Jessica Andrade. I mean, they're both sort of come forward strikers who throw from the hip. Uh, two main differences is I don't see a lot of wrestling uh, from uh, – what is her name? Name? Carnalosi. Carnalosi, thank you very much. I don't see a lot of wrestling from Carnalosi. And the other uh, main difference, and I think a key one here, is the pressure is not nearly as suffocating as Andrade's would be. And as Sean said, Hill is going to have a major speed advantage. 
So I like Hill here at 8,500. If she was, you know, 92, 94, as we've seen her before with um, uh, certain fighters, uh, I, I would pass it. But I think 85 is pretty good here because I think she can just sort of pop her and, and move out and overwhelm. And uh, look, you talk about 100 significant strikes landed, uh, Joe. She just did that a couple fights ago. Against- she did it, she's done it four times, actually, yeah. in her UFC career. Well, there you go. And, I mean, just recently, I think two fights ago against uh, Jody Esquibel, mm-hmm. which was an 89-point uh, score. So, yeah, I actually like Hill a lot here. I'm banking on um, what Sean said, which is that everybody loves to hate Angela Hill because I think she has some real advantages here. And um, could she get trapped against the fence and, and eat a hard shot? I guess she could, but, I mean, who knocks Angela Hill out? That We haven't we haven't really seen that happen. And as Joe said, she fought Andrade and, and – and, and, uh, you know, didn't get knocked out. So I actually like Angela Hill quite a bit here. And, um, yeah, I, I'm going to be on her. I think 8500 is a good price. I'm all in. I'm, I'm chopping at the bit to talk in in, in chat, but I'm, I'm just going to hold off because there's something going on that I disagree with, but it, it's, it's two fights away. First, we're going to talk about Kyle Nelson at 8600 taking on Polo Reyes at 7600 Kyle Nelson. He's the favorite, minus 115. So we have odds value here on Polo Reyes. He's plus 105. The issue with the odds value here is Polo Reyes has been knocked out stiff in three of his last four fights. And the one fight he won is because Matt Matt Mafavola was making his UFC debut and hands down got his not got just got his head taken off by Reyes. That's the one thing Reyes can still do. He's he's a good boxer, but that's all he's got. Nelson, on the other hand, it's a little dicey because he's 0-2, but losses to Diego Ferreira. And Matt Sales, who are good fighters, had flashes, especially in the Fajeda fight. Reyes can be taken down. Nelson could do that. Can his chin hold up? I think, look, to me, this is more of a fade on Polo Reyes, who's 36, clearly declining, moving down a weight class, in my opinion, out of desperation. So give me Kyle Nelson in this one. But the fight will be targeting both sides. And it's, I think, minus 220-ish to end at the distance. Chris? Yeah, um... This is a fight where you know it's tough to even it's tough to even gauge where Marco Polo Reyes is at in his career because a lot like Misha Serkinov last week I think his last four or five fights have all been round one either losses or wins and way more losses than wins uh, lately there for Polo Reyes but this is a fight I actually kind of like him in just because I think Kyle Nelson is a guy who's going to stand in the pocket with him and uh, trade wild shots and if you do that then. Polo Reyes can counter you. He's actually a pretty sharp counterpuncher. So um, I like it to that extent. My one worry about that is that Kyle Nelson could elect to wrestle. And if he does, he's almost certainly a better grappler than uh, Polo Reyes is. But I I don't think there's going to be a ton of that. Because if we, we look at Kyle Nelson's fight, he doesn't do that until he feels like he has to. And by that point in in a Polo Reyes fight, it might be too late. So I can see going either way in this fight. I'm taking Polo Reyes for the knockout because, like I said, I think Kyle Nelson is going to elect to stand in the pocket with him. And I think if he does that, uh, Polo Reyes is the crisper striker here, the crisper counter striker. Certainly got enough power to do it. So I am taking Polo Reyes for the triumphant comeback and uh, the first round stoppage. Joe? Yeah, so... These are two fighters here that are likely looking at a pink slip with the loss. Um, like Nelson the, coming the, off of definitely. Nelson coming off of two losses. Um, you know, uh, he did take a short notice fight against uh, CDF. Um, he actually didn't look horrible in the first round, um, and then he kind of just totally gassed. 
Um, he didn't look bad against Sales either. Sales finally figured him out in the third round and and subbed him. Um, Reyes, on the other hand, has fought you know better competition. Um, you know he is he has lost three of his last four. Um, James Vick he lost to uh, Demir is not great, but Drew Dober is is a solid stand up striker. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that one win was to uh, Matt Frivola. He knocked him out in the first round. He's a pretty much, um, you know, winner bust fighter. Um, you know, those of us who were fans in 2016 um, remember what probably was one was the fight of the year, his fight against um, Dung Young Ma, which was just like a back and forth slug slugfest, which was just a beautiful fight to watch. Um, back and forth, back and forth. Um, finally won in, in the third round by by punches. Um, I'm. Yeah, I think Nelson is probably the better fighter, but here's where some narrative comes in. Reyes has trained, has done this camp with the Alliance guys. He's been at altitude for at least a month. He's the local fighter. Uh, I'm going to also go with Reyes here at, at a slight upset. There's some odds value. I would say have both sides of this fight, and it's not a fight that I would be comfortable in in cash, but I'll, I'll pick Reyes for the upset. All right, moving on. Jose Teco Canotas, 8,700, taking on a guy whose first name I can't remember. It is Carlos Huishin. I could be butchering that. And Sorry, guys. Give me the, the Dagestani names all, all day before I get anything in the Latin America or Portuguese family. But I'm going to go with Huishin. Canotas um, minus 140. Huishin minus or plus 130 on the comeback. Look, chat. Julian is going off that you need to bet Canona straight. Look, I'm picking Teco in this fight, but it doesn't really make for a, dra a great DraftKings play one. His last three wins, his last two wins, 68 points, 71 points. Did have two good scoring wins, but not a great, great competition here. Canona's best, best, best path to victory and where I think he scores the most is through wrestling because I think Hushin can be held down. Um, and that's where he has a big advantage. Canonis could also choose to be on the outside and try and pick apart Huichin, and he won't score very well. And that could be a close fight because I think he's a better technical striker on the outside. So those two paths to victory, that's why I'm picking Teko to win. But for the DraftKings, I don't want much Canonis because of who's around him in price. And if you look, if you're on the other side, Huichin, the way he's going to win this fight, I think 10-4, 10, 10 all his wins are by finish. If he wins... He's going to get a finish. I know he's weak. He's got you know a weak um, strength of schedule, but he looked decent against Rayoni Barcelos, and that is no joke. All I'm saying is that Canonis does not make for a good DraftKings play, and who is Jim by default on a slate we need underdogs? A guy who will finish if he does win. Um, Teco is the pick. But who is Shin about a DraftKings play, especially in tournaments where he could break the slate? I'm not as high on Canonis as as many are. I am picking him to win straight up. Uh, Joe. So I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, Canonis broke a four-fight win streak against Nathan Woods, who I honestly believe is really, really, really good. Um, you know, he had won four fights prior to that. Not the best of competition. Um you know, Ishitara, uh, Rivas, I believe that was the Chile card. He only scored 71 points against uh, a local fighter that I think they signed for one fight. And prior to that, Joey Gomez, 
Uh, he scored 118 points. That was uh, his best uh, DraftKings total. Um, I wish he was cheaper. Uh, I don't love 87, 8.7K. Uh, if he was more in the 8 to 82 range, I would like him a lot more for DraftKings. Um, I do like him as a play. Uh, he's another guy that's trained with the Alliance guys, um, you know, at altitude. So there's that narrative. Um, I also believe that for GPPs, you should have some shares of the other guy. Um, but I will pick uh, Jose Quinones to win. Chris. So, uh, yeah, me and Marco in chat are, are button heads a little bit here. Um, the, the one thing I have to say, uh, you just said that Houchin quit in the last fight. I think I, I got him, him for that for that too. By the way, I, that, was, that was against Barcelos, right? Well, against Barcelos, yeah. But I, I take major issue with that. Um, if you remember, he got. I think it was more of a slip after a punch. But regardless, he ended up on bottom, and um, Barcelos was just giving him the business for like a straight minute and a half, and uh, he kept wiggling out of submission attempts, trying to improve position. In fact, you could say that the stoppage was actually early. You can't really blame the ref because he was taking punishment and the ref probably just thought, okay, that's enough. But he never stopped fighting. So I, w I would heavily disagree with uh, Marco there. And um, that's part of the reason I'm picking Houchin, although not the Ooh, entire not I, the entire reason. Um, I will say, just to back up your point, and I said this in the chat too, but uh, Barcelos would be minus 400 against Tycho Canoas. Oh, yeah. No, it's not even close. Um, and like you said, Sean, he, he did pretty well. I, and I think he's a really – he seems like a really composed uh, kickboxer. He is good defensively. He's got good kicks. And what I really like and, and what I think can be um, helpful here is that if as soon as you kick him, he comes back with the counter. He's one of those – one of those kickboxers that um, as soon as as soon as you get me, I'm going to get you back. And that's something Nathaniel Wood did to Kinonis a lot, and he hurt him a couple times doing that. So I think that Houchin could be uh, could be successful on the counter here again. I do think he's a sharp kickboxer, and we got to remember, um, Honey Barcelos didn't take didn't take Houchin down in that fight. That was a punch slash slip, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. Um, the one takedown attempt he did try was stuffed. Granted, Barcelos didn't put a lot into it, but I don't think we need to necessarily say that his wrestling is so bad anybody could take him down at will. At least we haven't seen that. So I'm not ready to, to make that kind of proclamation yet. I actually like Houchin quite a bit as a fighter. Uh, Kinones is, you know, good on the outside. He's a decent boxer, but I think he's a little lazy with his punches sometimes. I think a good counter striker can make him pay. And um, I think that counter striker is Houchin, so I'm picking him here. All right, moving on. We have, I can't believe you picked Housham. I like it. Uh, Martin Bravo, 8,100, taking on Steven Peterson, also 8,100. It's our mid-range fight, and the odds indicate that as well. Uh, minus 110 for Bravo, plus 100 for Peterson now. I'm on the Peterson side in this one. I wish I would have waited for this because I actually have a small bet on Steven Peterson. These guys are very similar to me in that they both like to press forward. They both like to get hit. And they both want to grapple. When it comes to that, though, I think Peterson's the better grappler, the more relentless grappler, and he's more and he's more durable. His durability hasn't failed him before, as Bravo's has. Like when you get knocked out by by Humberto Abandon, sorry, I'm off you. Like no way. So give me Stephen Peterson. I think he can outgrind Martin Bravo in this one. I think he's tougher. I think he's the better grappler. Give me Peterson in a mid-range fight that 
probably goes to this probably goes to decision but if anybody's gonna get a finish i think it is peterson Preston. okay uh this is a weird one because i agree with pretty much everything you said and yet i'm going in the other direction i um i do think you're right that they're very similar fighters they both like the pressure and i think it's going to be really interesting and telling to know who's going to get their pressure game going because that's that's a huge part of both of their games i think it's going to be bravo i think his pressure is a bit more suffocating a bit more relentless than uh, someone like steven peterson does i do um think that peterson is probably the better grappler although i think that the pressure that um bravo puts on could mitigate that somewhat i just feel like and, and to your to your point that he got knocked out by Ben tonight. That was a flush knee. He took right to the chin. I mean, come on. But it was from Humberto. But it, but it doesn't matter if anybody can knee in the chin. So come on over. I'll, I'll, knee, I'll knee right in the chin. We'll see. The pro fighter Humberto Bandanay shouldn't be putting you out cold. But it it was a it was it was a spot where he dipped levels. Uh, Bandanay threw a kick and he hit him right as he was dipping in. That knocks anybody out. Yeah, but uh, you shouldn't get caught in that position against Humberto Bandanay. If you do, you suck. Okay, well, uh, be that as it may, um, I just, I just, I don't. I mean, Stephen Peterson has a lot of um, decent qualities that make like a good regional fighter, as do as does uh, Martin Bravo. But I just feel like Bravo, as I said, is going to be the one controlling the fight with the pressure. Um, I don't think that uh, he's going to be able to take Bravo down over and over again. Uh, I think that if they do get the grappling exchanges, Peterson will be the um the better fighter but um you know peterson uh was was a guy who couldn't sub uh caceres after taking his back so i mean i don't know how much of a of a of a submission finisher he's going to be here at the highest level um but yeah i mean that's pretty much it. if the fight starts and we see peterson take over the uh take over the pressure game then uh, my pick is going to be in trouble but uh, so i'll know pretty early on i think but I think I'm correct. I think Bravo um, pushes the pace here and gets his striking game going, and uh, I like him uh, to finish. Yeah, maybe I won't say finish the fight, but um, yeah, to get maybe maybe a high-scoring decision. Joe. So I hope I'm not the only person on this pod who knows who Alanis Morissette is. Um, Alana Morissette uh, has a song called Isn't It Ironic? Um, Isn't It Ironic is Steven Peterson bobblehead night um, because – he does not know how to move his head. Um, so he's coming off, he's coming off of, of three out of four losses. Um, he could not finish Alex Caceres. Um, I have to believe his back is up against the wall. Um, Bandelay, what's interesting about Bandelay, not interesting, what's curious, is he's only fought once a year. Once in 2016, once in 2017, once in 2018. I don't know why. I don't know if he's got these issues. Um, I know he's come to the U.S. I thought he did a camp at Oyama, although it doesn't say that in Tapology. But I thought he did his last camp at Oyama. Um, you know, he I believe he did this camp with the Alliance guys, again, in Mexico City at Elevation. Um, I'm going to pick Bravo here as well, um, just because I think he's the cleaner striker. And if Peterson can't get him down, uh, I, I think I think Bandelay can finish him. And I like the fact Bandelay. that he's playing Bravo. 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 I'm sorry, Bravo. I think Bravo can finish him. I like that he's been training at uh, at altitude. Um, he does hold a victory, although it was several years ago against, um, you know, the highest inside the distance prop fighter Claudio, um, who he knocked out. 
So I will go with Bravo here. Again, I see this as a GPP fight. Um, have some exposure to both sides, but give me Bravo. Moving on. It is Irene Aldana, 9,400, taking on Vanessa Mello at 6,800. Uh, Aldana, huge favorite, minus 615. Comeback on Mello is plus 510. Look, if you can afford Aldana, sure. The issue is it's hard to afford her on this card. Not typically a really high scorer. Not really going to grapple. You know, coming off of a loss to Raquel Pennington, she's only broken 100 points once in her career. She's got a couple 90s, including a third-round sub over Betch Cohea. Where that fight, parts of it were a little dicey. So I know Melo's terrible, but Aldana, to pay off salaries got to, you know, for GPPs, has got to get 108. You want to slam her in for cash? Sure, she should win this fight. She's better than Melo. But Aldana, the play, but that price is a big issue for me. Uh, Joe? Okay, so I think this is a layup fight for Aldana. Um, you know, Sean's made some good points about value. However, I think she is probably the safest play on the card, or I should say has the safest floor. Uh, in each one of her wins, uh, she scored at least 90 points. Um, in her losses, she scored 59, 42, and 25 against Pennington. That last fight wasn't a great one. But I think she's got a really safe floor here. Um, you know, if, does she make salary? I don't know. I do see this as a layup fight for her. Um, she always looks big going into the ring. Like I, I always notice, like, wow, this is a real, this is a featherweight fighting, fighting at bantamweight. I really do think this is a layup fight for her. Maybe she can even get a finish here. Um, I like Adana a lot. I mean, I would not bet her at minus five fifty or whatever her current line is, but I certainly feel that this is a layup. Um, for the hometown girl here. Uh, so, you know, play Aldana if you can afford her. She's got a really safe floor. Chris? Oh, sorry, Joe. I forgot to move in on you. But that's uh, <coughs> that was my only miss of the card, so we're doing pretty good. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with Joe. I, I, I think this is a layup fight for Aldana, and I would also agree, um, look, the, the safest price on the card. Melo is a... A sort of a boxer, a counter striker who doesn't really do much. I think Aldana is going to be able to feast on her with superior boxing, the length, the movements. Um, I really feel like she's going to be able to do whatever she wants in there. Um, she doesn't really get finishes, but this could be a situation where she just has so much advantages, similar to Andrea Hill, where she could just overwhelm her, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. So throw her in your cash lineups, throw her in your parlays. Uh, there's not too much else to say. I like Aldana a ton here. Other than the fact that Mello missed weight by four pounds. Today. Yeah, that's right. That she did. Yes. I did. I did. Okay. By the way, I'm not playing her. Askar Askarov, 8,800, taking on Brandon Moreno at 7,400. Askarov, the favorite, minus 150. Moreno, he's back in the UFC, plus 140. Look, I think Askarov is a solid prospect. Dagestani, but not... You know, the best Dagestani grapplers can come out of there, but can grapple. Moreno has had some submissions, some rangy striking, but I like the pressure of Askarov. Um, you know, we see Moreno, he can be taken down. He can be be controlled, although he is, you know, he's squirrely down there. They are flyweights. Um, Askarov, not physically imposing, but again, I just think he has the type of pressure game that should pay off here. I think he is a better fighter than Moreno, so give me the newcomer to uh, win his UFC fight here. Uh, Chris. So I I kind of agree. It's just that the tape I saw of Askarov 
like when you look at his record, you're, you're like, well, all these wins in, in ACB, you know, and it kind of takes you back to uh, Peter Peter Jan, and you think, well, this could be another another killer coming out of ACB. And I just don't don't get that from Askarov. I don't think his striking game is is that well developed. I think he can be taken down uh, fairly easily. He likes to scramble. It will be interesting to see who the scram- who the better scrambler is here because I think the faster guy is going to be Moreno. So that'll be interesting. I don't like his striking game. It's it's a lot of counter rangey stuff, like you said, Sean. So if he can allow himself to get backed up consistently, that's a problem. Another problem for Moreno is he tends to eat uh, straight punches like they're going out of style. Askarov throws them pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, you you kind of would have to tend toward Askarov, but Moreno's tough, man. He gets bloodied up. He doesn't get finished. He's going to be in there trying to win. And I think he – I expect him to at least score a couple takedowns in this fight. I don't think he's going to just be a dead fish out there. And, um, you know, maybe the pressure of Askarov comes in, especially since Moreno likes to likes to back himself up, which I, I think could get him in trouble here. But um, You think Moreno's going to get takedowns? I, yeah, no, I think he can get a couple, yeah. I, I think we've seen Askarov get taken down before, and I think that um, – I, th- I think that's Moreno's best path here. And if he realizes it, I think he can get takedowns, yeah. But um, the, the, part of the problem with Moreno is he likes to strike a little too much. We saw in the Sergio Pettis fight, uh, he got that, that takedown round one, dominated, and then pretty much did it in the rest, the rest of the fight. So um, I guess the pick of that is, is Askarov. But, you know, as far as high-priced ACB Dagestanis go, I'm not – not in love with him. So I would say the pick is Askarov, but, you know, get a couple heads-up shares of Moreno there just to be different. And uh, Because I do think he'll have at least some success on the ground, even if he ends up ultimately losing the fight. Ooh, Joe? Yeah, so I think this is a good fight to target. Um, Askarov was actually the ACB champ um, at 145, I believe. Uh, he's definitely a submission specialist. I mean, what, what this is going to sound odd, and it wouldn't really – matter in a lot of other places but i actually think that his body type is is better for elevation he's kind of a skinny guy um he's not overly muscular um you don't want to be carrying a lot of muscle when you're you know fighting at seven thousand feet uh you know you've got mclovin um the guy who lost against the one-legged fighter um he has pulled some subs out of his ass i will say that about mclovin um I, I, again, I think it's a good fight to target. I'm going to pick Askarov. Um, you know, he is a, a undefeated Russian, and I, you know, I don't know that. Um, I think this is a good test for him, but I don't know that Moreno is the guy to beat him. Um, let's see him work, and and I think this could be an interesting GPP fight. Um, I don't know if I would play it in cash. I would probably stay away from it in cash, but give me Askarov here. All right, co-main event time. Alexa Grasso, 8,400, taking on Carla Esparza, 7,800. Line in this fight, minus 125 for Grasso, plus 115 for Esparza. This is the fight that's probably uh, caused me the most trouble in that I've been back and forth. I landed on the side of Esparza. I know Grasso is way bigger. But I think she she, you know, she defends takedowns like 65%. That's what Esparza is going to want to do. Esparza's striking is coming along. It's still not good. Grasso will still have a big advantage there. Grasso is fighting at home. which is, In the end, I think it's a really close fight. And I 
always tend to favor the grappler in that matchup. Plus, she's a little cheaper for DraftKings. I think this is likely a, nick, a nip and tuck fight that goes three rounds. I edge towards Esparza, but I don't think I want a lot of a lot of exposure either way because I think the winner scores about 80 points, 70, 80 points. I think it's a really good close fight. One of the ones I'm interested in watching uh, in terms of the 115-pound division. Uh, give me Esparza as a slight lean, but not a good DK fight for me. Uh, Joe? Yeah, I'm going to take Grasso here. I Again, it's not quite the layup that Aldana is getting, but Aldana oh, and Grasso. near a layup. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I was being somewhat sarcastic. Um, Aldana and Grasso train together. Again, uh, Grasso is, if there is a star in, in Mexican women's MMA, it's Alexa Grasso. Um, for those of you that have not noticed or are visually impaired, um, she's not overly hard on the eyes. Um, you know, it looks like she's coming around. Uh, she had, uh, you know, like everybody else, a loss to Tatiana Suarez. Um, looked pretty good in her last fight, actually. Um, I think put up a decent DraftKings score. But then again, Carolina um, is is always able to be hit. So I think she racked up a fair amount of significant strikes. Now, prior to Tatiana Suarez, she did win a split decision against Randa Marcos. Randa Marcos fights a lot like Carla Sparza does. Um, same type of fighter, really, wrestler. Um, at, these, at this stage in their careers, Marcos might even be a little better than um, Carla, Carla Sparza. Um, again, I being the fact that this is the co-main, being the fact that this is... Um, you know, that she is a symbol for MMA in Mexico. Um, I'm going to take Grasso here. I'm not sure what she's going to score um, on DraftKings. I do think that um, Asparza is not going to give her quite the problems that she had with Tatiana Suarez. Um, she does have a size advantage. She should have a strength advantage. Um, she was able to handle Marcos, albeit by a split decision. Um, I'm going to take Grasso here. Um, I don't know how many shares of Aspars I want. I mean, I guess she probably has a pretty safe floor because of wrestling and she should get some, but I don't see her getting a lot of significant strikes. So this could be a pretty low scoring fight here. That's the one thing I worry about, but I do like Grasso. Chris. So I would disagree that uh, Marcos is a better wrestler than Esparza. Maybe a better submission grappler. I'll go with that maybe. But uh, I don't think a better wrestler. I think Esparza is the better wrestler. And I think that when she when she really focuses her wrestling, like she uh, like she did in her last fight against who? Uh, I'm, I'm right here. Against uh, John DeRoba. I think that we you can really see um, – how good she can be. We saw a little bit of everything in that fight. Double legs, sing, single legs, duck unders, the back takes. Like, she can be really slick when she wants to be. And the problem with Aldana is that she gets backed up a lot. Now, that that would that led to me mistakenly picking Kovacavich against her. But Kovacavich doesn't have a wrestling, wrestling element, one, and doesn't really have any footwork either. So You mean Grasso, not Aldana, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's Thank you, Joe. But okay. – um, but, uh, so yeah, so I think that um, Esparza is going to be able to use her wrestling game here. I actually think her boxing is a little underrated too. I've said that before, especially her counter striking. Um, not that I think she's the better striker overall here. She's not, but I, I don't think that she's completely dead on the feet here. And I just think that um, she can use her wrestling to maybe uh, bank a few rounds and uh, ride to a nice win here. And um, 
yeah, I think that uh, backing her opponent up is going to be a problem, and I think she's going to be able to get those doubles and singles off the cage. So give me a spars. Main event time. Jeremy Lilheaden Stevens. He's eight thousand. Yair Rodriguez, El Pantera, eighty two hundred. Line on this fight. It's pick 'em. Uh, what I'm looking at on five dimes, Stevens is actually now a small favorite, minus 110. Uh, come back on Rodriguez, plus 100. Some books have it straight pick up minus 110 apiece. So close fight. I lean towards Jeremy Stevens, but I, I know Joe hates the stack, but on a card that is as volatile as this, give me the stack here. Um, I prefer Stevens if I'm just picking one, but I have a ton of this fight in GPP, if not all in, because... At these prices, it's hard for the winner not to be on the optimal. Uh, Stevens been working with Tony Ferguson on his footwork. I want to see what that looks like. Um, I wish Stevens would come out and grapple. I don't think he's going to, but if he does, he can give Rodriguez all kinds of problems. Rodriguez, kicking base striker. Stevens, not a ton of volume, but way more power. Um, we saw Rodriguez is hittable. We saw it against Korean Zombie. He should have lost that fight. Uh, give me Stevens here, but this fight could go either way. should be a fun main event. Little Heathen's my pick, though. Um, Chris, start us off on the main event. Yeah. Um, again, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said, but I, I can't pick uh, Stevens here for one simple reason. I mean, I'm glad to see that he's working on his footwork. He needs to. But that go that goes to the heart of the matter and why I'm picking uh, Yair Rodriguez because we have seen him in multiple recent fights not being able to cut off the cage and having quick guys with good footwork just be able to dance around him and pick up decisions. Um with with some volume, uh, we saw uh, uh, we saw Zabit do it. We saw um, oh, who just got knocked out by by zombie? Yeah, Come on, guys, you're supposed to help me here. Yeah, you Rodriguez. No, um, the guy he, he got knocked out by Aldo too. Jeremy Stevens got knocked out by Aldo. Oh my God, you guys are killing me. I'm gonna look it up. You happy now? Hang on. So, here, vamp for me while I look it up. Okay, I'm supposed to fill time because Chris <laughs> doesn't know the point he's trying to make. He is stalling. All of chat is yelling it. I know it now, but I'm still not going to help him. Anato Moicano. Oh, Anato yeah, Moicano. Thank you very much for nothing. Uh, not you, chat. I'm talking to Sean. Um, I hope yeah, but, enjoyed that. But so, we, so we've seen that before, and I think that's going to happen again. I, I don't think we can rely on, on his footwork to just be magically fixed. He's been in the game for like 40 years. I think a guy like him is basically he is what he is. He, he's got that, that really good, powerful, um, sweeping left hook that he can cover a lot of distance with. He used it to eventually finish Josh Emmett. He's used it before. He, he knocked out uh, Hani Jason with it. That's going back. But, he, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of uh, good finishes with it. And, and look, the, the fact that he could get tagged, speaking of Yair Rodriguez, is um, – is a concern, but like I said, I just expect Yair to sort of dance around him all fight. I don't expect uh, Jeremy Stevens to cut off the cage, and if he doesn't, and I don't think he will, I think that's going to lead to a Yair victory. So give me Yair, Joe. Yeah, um, this is really tough. I mean, earlier in the week, I was on Yair, and as the week went on, and I, I picked up some of the narrative about Stevens, it, it pushed me a little bit over to the Stevens side. Um, I will say that this is a fight to target. Um, the winner should score 100 points, um, even in a decision. Uh, I'm not concerned about Steven's cardio. Um, he really took training seriously here. 
um, rented a house and everything, and has been at Elevation for quite some time. Uh, yeah, this is really tough. Um, hmm. Yeah, years only got two losses. Uh, one of them to Frankie Edgar. Um, you know, Stevens is probably going to hold the UFC record for most losses. I think he did by a, by a fighter. Um, wow, this is really tough. Um, I know I have to make a pick, but what I'm going to tell you is. You should probably have equally weighted exposure um, in your DraftKings lineups. Um, if I have to give you a pick, um, it's not a play. It's just a pick. Um, give me Stevens here. Um, give me Stevens here just because of the narrative. I like the narrative. I like the training narrative. I don't think that spending one day at Big Bear with uh, with El Kakui is going to really, you know, make great strides in his footwork. Um, who, you know, El Kakui said your footwork sucks. Um, that's Tony, though. Um, so I don't think it's going to be – I think maybe he knows his footwork sucks. Um, I, I'm going to take Stevens here. I mean, I, I would say I have both sides, though, in DraftKings. This is a good fight. This is a, I, always, I often say that, you know, this fight is a better fight to bet than it is for DraftKings. I think this is a better fight for DraftKings than it is to wager on, you know, just because I think you can get some exposure, um, you know, to a five-round fight and the winner sh- – could very well be on the winning lineup. So I'll give you my pick as Stevens, but I would advise having a fair amount of exposure to this fight on DraftKings. All right, guys, that's it for the fight by fight breakdown. It is time for hot takes. Guys in chat, fire them up. We'll do a viewer hot take or hot takes, depending on how good they are. What about you guys? You got one ready for UFC Mexico City? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go. Um, I think Houchin knocks out uh, Jose Canones. Well, like, let me see if this is a hot take before I give it. So you guys go. I'm not sure this is going to be. That's definitely a pretty hot take, Chris. We'll let we'll let Joe study up. Yeah, I gotta check if this is actually going to be a hot take or not. <laughs> Joe, I was expecting like a like a nine uh, person parlay. What no, 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 no parlays here. I want to almost put something really silly out there. So I, I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a a, a not so serious one. And I'll do one of each. Um, I think for my more serious one, could be Carla Esparza by submission. Yeah, that's that's uh, interesting. And yeah. then for my one that I, I just I have to throw out there, Vinicius Marrero wins by ground and pound TKO. Oh, I would love that so much. That'd be my favorite thing. Uh, Joe, you got one before I go to the okay. Okay, I am going to say that um, there will be five Mexican fighters. Um, five Mexican fighters will win. Okay, count them up. Uh, the viewers, John Tiller, Hot Take, Reyes, and Nam, first-round finishes. Hmm. Tom wow. Green, I like this one, Hill on the Optimal. Oh, interesting. That's possible and a hot take. Um, another one, Nam KOs Pettis from Daniel Mori. Oh, I Ooh. like it. I gotta point out, and we we have yeah. Go ahead. Somebody on the opposite side. Yeah. Brandon Parker, hot take. Angela Hill is going to sleep. Oh. I'm not winning a GPP if that happens. Um, our boy Nandalal, eight plus finishes on the card. You know, Dorinamo, I I get it. Mark Marcus Mariano KO, but you can only say it if you actually believe it. I, I get it's a dart throw, but. If you don't think he's going to win, we can't accept it. So do you think he's winning? Geronimo, Marcus Mariano, first first round KO. I mean, who else gets hurt a lot, but 
Jeez. And Gerardo wants me to say, uh, live Venezuela. So there you go. I, I live here in the U.S., but um, Venezuela is okay, I guess. I'm not going to go anytime soon. Um, I think that's it. That's all we got for this card, guys. So make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Please follow us on Twitter. You guys should know where to find it at this point. I won't repeat it again and bore you. Thanks to everyone in chat. Really do appreciate it. Guys, got anything else before we head out of here? Yeah, let's do a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, I found out today I am going to the uh, UFC event up in Boston. Um, so if anyone's planning to uh, to go, um, I likely will be staying at the new uh, Encore Win uh, Casino um, outside of Boston, um, going for the event. It's oddly enough on a Friday, which is, is kind of strange. Um, so I will be going if anyone wants to, you know, have a few cocktails get together, talk fights. Um, unfortunately, sports betting has not yet arrived in Massachusetts. Um, I'm also... Though, right? What? You got, you, you'll be able to play live table games? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, I'm still likely going to the December 7th uh, slate in Washington, D.C. So I know there's a group of guys that have been talking about going, um, our good friends, uh, Drew and Josh, a bunch of other people. So uh, would love to try to schedule a little something for that. That's December 7th. So, uh, you know, got some got some cards coming up I I'm looking to attend. And that's pretty much it. All right, guys. That's it. Good luck in your contest. We will see you next week. Word. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.